Good morning, good morning, good morning, church. How y'all doing this morning? It's good to be here. It's good to see you all. Um, my name is Cody. Just a few things about me, if you haven't met me before, uh, and maybe you might be new here. I have served with many of the people in this room at a previous church, and um, for the past year and a half, I've been serving um, as a pastor at a church in Hollywood. And now I am transitioning to a church in Coral Springs. Um, and um, I am super excited to be here with some, with some friends and family of mine. I've spoke to, to some of you guys this week or in past weeks leading up to this moment. And, I, and I've told you that, hey, yeah, that's right. I will be um, here with you this morning. And so it's great to see some old faces, some beautiful people. Um, you guys haven't aged a bit. Uh, <laughs> But, uh, <laughs> but uh, this morning, I'll be talking a little bit about um, treasuring our worship, treasuring this moment that we have with one another when we gather as a church on Sunday mornings. And uh, I wonder if, if we couldn't be here. If we didn't have these moments, if something took us away from the gathering of the church, or if something took this from us, would it matter to us? Would it even make a difference? And so this morning, um, if you're listening closely, by the time we conclude our time together, um, it is my prayer that you would have an even greater uh, appreciation and value for being able to gather uh, for corporate worship uh, on Sunday mornings. So with that in mind, let us go ahead before God and ask for him to bless our time. Father in heaven, God, we have gathered here as a church, and Lord, we look to you for a word. We need a word from you. And so, Father, I ask now that you would speak to your people, I ask for a blessing on the preaching of your word, the hearing of your word, and ultimately the doing of your word. In your son Jesus' name we pray, amen. Jesus said, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Amen. And in our world today, folks are searching for elusive treasure. Treasure that is really uh, fading or counterfeit. There was a man by the name of Murphy. He went up to the Rocky Mountains looking for some treasure that a guy buried. Now, this guy who buried the treasure is in his 80s. He lives in Mexico. But Murphy goes out to search for this treasure that this guy said he left in the Rocky Mountains. Unfortunately for Murphy... People later found him to be dead. And this is the fourth person who've gone looking for this treasure that this guy said he had buried in the Rocky Mountains. We're all searching for treasure. We're searching for true love, searching for true joy and happiness. But Jesus promises that he is that treasure. And if we're not treasuring Jesus, then we would be led astray. And so, 
it would be good for us to treasure Jesus, but also treasure our worship of him. The Lord has written this psalm for us to encourage us to treasure corporate worship as the gift that it truly is. Now, because of sin, however, there's false treasures in our world that we constantly pursue. And if we're not careful, even us Christians, we can become cold-hearted as it pertains to our worship of God. We can become so focused on using our hands to we're not even worshiping with our hearts. We must become cautious of this, mindful of this. The constant distractions, the constant lures of, that sin calls us to, to devalue our worship of God and to elevate the things of this world. Before we dive into the text, there's two things that I want to uh, share with you. First is the structure of this text. This text starts off sort of like a lament, like a guy who is just pouring his heart out to God because he needs God to help him. But then it transitions towards a more confident expectation. The psalmist has been taken away from worship, but now he's confident that God would bring him back. To the sanctuary. Now I want to share with you the context. The heading of this psalm in Psalm 63, it tells us that it's David. And David is in the Judean wilderness. And according to verse 11, David is the king of Israel. But he's now in the wilderness. The king is now far away from the kingdom. Most likely, it is the occasion when Absalom, David's son, is seeking to overthrow his father as the king. Now with that in mind, we have David in the wilderness and we have this, this prayer where David is considering those moments when he was far away from God and God's people. David shows us in this psalm what it's like to have deep affections for God. A person that truly treasures the worship of God is a person who knows God is desirable and God is delightful. The first thing I want you to see in the text is that God is desirable. Amen, somebody. God is desirable. The psalmist says, as a deer pants for streams of water, so my soul longs. For you, O oh Lord, he is desirable. It is clear here that David is uh, desiring God's presence. David acknowledged the stirrings of his soul and he expressed just how desperately he needed and longed for the Lord. In verse 1, David said, you are my God. Now this, this phrase uh, it tells us something. It tells us that David had a personal relationship with God. He says, you are my God. You see, when we change our mind about the treasures that we, that we pursue, 
the sin that we're after, when we change our mind about that and we repent and go towards God, God invites us into a personal relationship with him through his son Jesus. So David is saying, you, you are my God, personally, my God. And it's good for us to, to also keep in mind here that David is describing his, his, his internal uh, uh, spiritual need with the external physical surroundings of his situation. The external was a picture of what was going on internally. Having fled from Jerusalem, he's now in the Judean wilderness, in the desert. And David is, is there in a parched land where it's dry. And he's, he's, he's saying, I, I, this dry land needs water. And just like the dry land needs water, I need God. His chapped lips and his dried mouth symbolized uh, his thirsty soul. Just as his tongue craved a refreshing drink from a cool stream, his soul desperately thirsts for living water found in God's presence. But not only did David desire God's presence, but David desired God's people. Verse 2, David said, I looked upon you in the sanctuary. Now, the New Living Translation does a really good job of taking all that is being said in the Hebrew and, and translating that into English for us. And specifically here in this verse, it says, I have seen, past tense, you in your sanctuary and gazed upon your power and glory. David here remembers past worship. David remembered how his soul was thrilled to go to, to, to the tabernacle and worship God. Nobody had to drag David out of bed Sunday morning to go and worship. David was thrilled to go. And he remembered what it was like to, to, to be there in the holy tabernacle where God's beauty and God's character was wonderfully displayed. Time and time again, he had witnessed God's power and glory when people of God focused on him in worship. You see, David missed God, but more specifically in this psalm, David missed his experience of God during public worship. David knows that there is no such thing as loving God without loving God's people. He longed to enter God's courts again, to bask in the radiant glory of God's presence with God's people. Biblically, there is no uh, higher privilege than to be a welcome member in the worshiping congregation. Where you sit at now is the greatest privilege a human being could ever have. David knew that. And he craved to, to be there and to worship God with others. He enjoyed watching others worship. What do you get out of watching others worship? Or do you only come to church when it's your turn to serve? 
Are you tempted towards jealousy while watching others worship? Do you spend most of your time calculating who's friends with who? What's happening in our hearts? It's, it's, it's good to know and to examine what's happening in our hearts during worship as we're gathering in the sanctuary. You see, it is treasuring these moments that actually get us through the hard times. David is in the wilderness, and he's remembering what it was like to be in worship. But we can't really uh, treasure these moments if, 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 if we don't genuinely enjoy worshiping with others. I know people are crazy. I know there's sin even in the church. But the answer to sin is not uh, avoiding or distancing ourselves from others. The answer to sin is found in Jesus and how Jesus gives mercy and grace and forgiveness towards others. And we're called to extend mercy and grace and forgiveness towards others. This is the answer to sin. How a sinner treats you really ain't none of your business. What's your business is how you treat them. God doesn't call us to be loved by people. He calls us to love people. Amen, somebody. Amen. To love people. That's our business. So here's some things that we, that, that, that we could do regarding this idea of desiring God's presence and God's people. To desire God's presence, we can do it by, by setting our mind on the things of God. By, 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 by thinking deeply on God's word. By establishing ourselves early in the morning with the truth of God. By daily renewing our mind on the word of God. Our mind is constantly being tempted to, 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 to go in a direction that is away from God's word. Sometimes you might even set up some habits, some things that you want to do, and you get going, and there's a week of consistency, but all of a sudden you fall off. It's because your mind has to constantly be renewed. And so that's, that's one way that we could desire God's presence. The other way we could desire God's people is by forgiving folks from uh, something we've done to them or asking for forgiveness. When, when, when a person does something uh, 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 to you, you don't have to go to the person to forgive them. But when you do something to someone else, the scripture calls us to go to that person, be reconciled, and forgive. We could desire God's people by forgiving them and by asking them to forgive us so that we can get the fullness out of coming to worship God that Jesus wants us to have. What do you get out of watching others worship? Well, Paul says we're to get something out of it. In Romans 1, 11 through 12, 
He says, for I want very much to see you. I want to see you very much. Here it is. So that I may impart to you some spiritual gift to strengthen you. That is to be mutually encouraged by each other's faith, both yours and mine. You see, it is, it's, it's our proximity to one another and our closeness to one another that allows us to be strengthened and encouraged in our walk to, with God. Can you say, yes, I'm, I'm like David. I desperately desire to worship God with God's people. Have you found there to be something special? Not just about this place, but by the people in this room. Have you found there to be something valuable? Or do you have a price? How much would it take for you to, to no longer gather with the body? This is most important. Amen? When you're not here, do you miss it? There was a little girl who <clears throat> was about four years old, and she asked her parents something that kind of set her parents off track. What? She asked if she could go into the room alone with the newborn baby. And the parents say, what? Uh, alone? Why, uh, baby? You're only four years old. So the parents kept telling her, no, no, nah, uh, not happening. Then all of a sudden, she, she kept at it. She asked them one day, and she, and she got exactly what she wished for. The parents said, okay. The little girl took off running. She went into the room, and she slammed the door back, and the door popped open. There was a little crack left in the door. And the concerned parents ran over to the door, and they're looking, looking to see, what this little girl going to do with this baby? And the little girl looked down, climbed up in that bassinet, grabbed the baby by the shoulders, got real close to the baby's face, and she said, baby, can you tell me what God feels like? I'm starting to forget. This little child missed God. Have you ever gone a day without worship and the next day you realize, wait a minute, there's a difference in my life. There's a difference in my soul. Have you noticed, wait a minute, I, I, I miss God. I really want to be with him. I, I really miss I'm uh, uh, watching others take communion. I, I miss the prayers in church. I miss the singing. I, I just really desire to be with God. I, I miss watching a person cry as they're worshiping him. When all is well in our lives, it is very easy for us to forget just how much we need God's presence. David wrote Psalm 63 at a time when he desperately needed an experience with God. So he desired to be with him and, and to worship him with others. But not only does the text show us that God is desirable, 
But the second thing that I want you to notice, that a person who truly treasures the worship of God is a person who knows that God is delightful. God is delightful. Amen, somebody. So far we have seen that uh, David is reminiscing on past worship and how, th how good things used to be. Amen. And now he's moving in the text towards confidence in future worship. Verse 3, David said, because your steadfast or faithful love is better than life, my lips will praise you. So I will bless you as long as I live. In your name, I will lift up my hands. Hallelujah. Although distant from God in the tabernacle, although absent from, from church, although going through something, David is confident that God would once again allow him to worship him among his people. He's excited to get back to church. Now, it, it, it's funny how um, in today's culture, if a boy likes a girl too much, they call that thirsty, right? Young folks call it thirsty. Or if a girl likes a, likes, likes a boy too much. Oh, you're thirsty now. You're just a little too thirsty. The Bible describes a person who desires to have their spiritual needs met as a person who is thirsty. Some of us are thirsty, but we, we don't even know what we're thirsting for. So we are going throughout the world seeking to quench our thirst on just about anything. So we're having sex with multiple partners, unmarried, because our soul is, is thirsty. We're dumping things in that Amazon cart like crazy. We're spending, overspending, because our soul is thirsty. Some of us may even do coke or weed or shrooms or pills from time to time because we seek to be taken from our situation to a higher place because our souls are thirsty. The soul is saying there has to be something out here that can quench this thirst. Me personally, I know I've searched all over for things in my lifetime, for things that could quench that thirst. When we're not in God's presence, there's something that happens to the soul. We become thirsty for God, and your soul longs for the source of its life. David realized that his, his thirst couldn't be quenched in life itself. There had to be something outside of life or better than life to quench his thirst. And you know what he found that to be? God's faithful love. David delighted in the faithful love of God. As David thirsts for, for the delight of God's company, he considered uh, one of the best reasons for worshiping God, his faithful love towards us. 
God's unbreakable covenant promise to a broken people. God's steadfast love and kindness towards us. His mercy, his grace, and just thinking about those things move David to, to openly and audibly praise God with his lips. David knew that it's proper for inward worship to be accompanied by outward praise. So David vowed to bless and praise God to publicly express gratitude to his father in heaven. It's all right for us to lift up our hands. We're set free. Amen? It's all right for us to praise God's great name. David measured God's faithful love to be better than life itself. In other words, to receive God's love is to begin living. Born again, begin living when we receive his love. David delighted in God's faithful love, but he also delighted in God's ability to satisfy him. He, he delighted in the God who satisfies. David was excited to praise God because God satisfies his soul. In verse 5, it says, you satisfy me as with rich food. My mouth will praise you with joyful lips. David says that God satisfies his soul like fine dining would satisfy a belly. I know when I was a child, one of my greatest childhood memories was when we used to leave church and go out to eat after church. Amen, somebody. Oh, I got somebody that know. I mean, I'm talking about back when Red Lobster was Red Lobster. Back when Golden Corral was the Golden Corral. Back when Piccadilly was Piccadilly. And I remember sitting there after eating up all this food, and one of the deacons would rear back in the chair, and he'd say, man, I'm so full, I'm about to bust. And then my dad would say, you know what? You're right. I haven't been this full since I ate those three watermelons in a row. Three watermelons in a row? I mean, he just let everybody know that black folks is uh, 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 in love with watermelons. <laughs> and, and, and we think that they're delicious. But, 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 but the, the, the truth of the matter is, is that it, it, it's right. God feels our soul just like that. Just like that. To the point where David is saying, I just don't want anything else. I'm, I'm full. More than that, he says that it was delightful to his mouth. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. I wish I had somebody here this morning who could testify about the goodness of God. Somebody who has bit into his, his faithful love and experienced the, the, the reality of how good he has been to you. In John chapter 7, verse 37, 
says these words. On the last and most important day of the festival, Jesus stood up and he said to the crowds, If anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. The one who believes in me, as the scripture has said, will have streams of living water flow deep within him. Here Jesus is saying, come to me and drink. Come find your satisfaction in me. Hmm? The one who believes in me. We all believe in something. Hmm? The woman at the well believed that she could find ultimate satisfaction in a man. Boy, was she wrong. And Jesus said to the Samaritan woman, you're going to get thirsty again. After a while, you realize that, you know, when you get some of that and you get some of this and you try and figure this thing out on your own, you, you're going to get thirsty again. And it's very important to take a look at what he says when he says, the one who believes in me. See, we're saved by faith. That is what we choose to believe. It's either Jesus or something else. It all starts with belief. So what do you believe will give you ultimate satisfaction this morning? What do you believe will give you ultimate happiness? Do you believe that having an abundance of wealth and possessions will make you happy? Do you believe that an attractive body or personality or image will meet your needs for acceptance and significance. Do you believe that you must live up to the standards of this world in order to feel good about yourself? All of us believe something and all of us get thirsty every now and then, but the question is, what are we seeking to quench our thirst on? The things of this world or on Jesus? According to Jesus, the things of this world can never truly satisfy. And if we believe they can, then we are deceived. And when we are deceived, we basically put ourselves in bondage, a mental stronghold. And we need to be set free so that we could see that ultimate, true satisfaction could only be found in Jesus. You see, when God created man and man rebelled against God, there became a chasm between man and God, a space, an emptiness between man and God. And the chasm is also experienced deep down in our souls. And this emptiness is oftentimes... Uh, the, what we are attempting to feel. We search for something that will fill us and make us complete. But Jesus told the woman at the well, whoever drinks from the water that I would give will never get thirsty again. 
In fact, the water that I give him will become a well of water springing up to eternal life, to completeness, to the ultimate high, to life with God. The water that Jesus gives us is his spirit, which guarantees the satisfaction of our souls with God forever. Jesus satisfies because... He is the true answer for guilt. Jesus satisfies because he sustains our relationship with God. He satisfies because he gives us life in abundance, joyful and complete. He satisfies because his steadfast love is so much better than anything we have ever seen. So in the end, during the moments where you may feel far away, when you feel spiritually dry and don't have the passion for worshiping God, passion for others, we could always come to God for a refreshing drink of his faithful love towards us. Amen? So let us go before our God and pray. Lord Jesus, we just want to acknowledge that you are good. All of your ways are just. You are beautiful. We adore you, God. We worship you. We love you. God, we also confess Sometimes we only think about you and think about others when we are here in this place. God, give us a heart and a mind to, 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 to worship you, to desire you constantly. Give us a heart and a mind to be willing to, 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 to go to those who we may have hurt, ask for forgiveness to forgive others so that when we come here, this will be truly valued as the beauty of which you have made it to be, the treasure of our lives. God, we honor you. We thank you. We appreciate you. God, help us to desire your presence and to desire your people. For your glory, we pray these things in your son Jesus' name. Amen.